You're listening to another edition of the Full Court Press on 106.9 The Fan with Eric Franson and AJ Salveson. To get the latest content, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Don't forget, the Full Court Press airs Monday through Friday on 106.9 FM and 1390 AM The Fan. And you can stream the show on 106.9thefan.com. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM. 1390 AM, The Fan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Friday here on the Full Court Press. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, although Ajay had to sneak out a little bit early today. Still plenty of things to go over and discuss in this hour with you. Appreciate you joining in with us. And uh, we got, uh, man, a lot of things to get through. Utah State, Fresno State. Aggies are at Fresno tomorrow. We'll have uh, pregame coverage of that game coming up. Um, it'll be tomorrow at 7 on our sister station, KVNU. Al Lewis, Jalen Moore will do a full one-hour pregame, just like it deserves. And then the game will be on ESPNU, so you can watch the game there. And then as soon as the game is over, turn your radio on again to hear how they break it down. Al Lewis, John Russell, Jalen Moore, and take your calls and uh, take your comments on it. Again, doing it for the fans and giving it the respect that Utah State deserves for these games. And this is a big game, Utah State, Fresno State. Now, Fresno has not turned out to be as good of a team in the Mountain West as we thought they might be. We knew that they graduated a lot of great talent away from their team last year, which was in the hunt for that number 2 spot in the Mountain West for a good chunk of last season. And uh, they gave the Aggies definitely a run for their money in a couple different occasions. Um, Earlier this year, they gave the Aggies a run for their money. It was back on December 7th. Seems like forever ago. But that was the, the new schedule in the Mountain West where they played a few games early in December and then went back to non-conference games before getting back into it again at the start of the year. And uh, that was Utah State was still a top 25 team at that time. Do you remember when that used to be a thing? When Utah State used to be ranked? Anyway, Utah State was ranked 25th at the time. And uh, the Aggies were uh, coming off of their loss to uh, BYU uh, before then. And uh, Utah State uh, it played them close. It was a close game. It was a back-and-forth game. At one point, Fresno had a pretty healthy lead, nearly a 10-point lead uh, early in the second half of the game. And then Utah State started to fight their way back, uh, was able to ramp up their defense and slow Fresno State down a little bit. Got the game tied, and, and uh, Utah State pretty much had the game. And then uh, they hit a... a, a a three-point shot near the end of regulation to send it into overtime. Uh, and then Utah State takes care of business, frankly, does a much better job of, of uh, clamping down on D and uh, getting the, some enough offense going for them. And in that game back on December 7th, um, it was, uh, like we said, it was you know, Namish Keda's first game back from injury. Uh, he came off the bench. He only played about 10 minutes. Um, he, uh, he did score six points, grabbed one rebound, blocked one shot. But Alfonso Anderson was in the starting lineup at that time. Uh, Justin Bean had a big game for the Aggies. He had a double-double, 14 points, 13 boards, five steals, and a block. He was phenomenal 
in that game. A 24-point performance for Sam Merrill, along with eight rebounds, three assists, and a steal. But this is a very different team for Utah State now uh, because Keta is in the starting lineup. Anderson comes off the bench and really hasn't, we haven't seen a whole lot of Anderson coming off the bench uh, lately. We've seen a little bit tighter rotation and Brito doing a little bit more. Uh, Brito did score in double figures in that game. He did score 10 points. And as we've seen, when Diogo Brito scores in double figures, Utah State's undefeated. Uh, that was another one of those cases. But uh, this is a team that has some great players that Iggy's still need to watch out for. Uh, Nate Grimes still playing really well. Uh, Williams is another one. They had great games against the Aggies. They went deep into their bench. Uh, but uh, Nate Grimes is at the 6'8 forward, a senior leader for uh, Fresno State that um, is uh, can, can, can be a force. It hasn't always been. He's had a few games uh, where he struggled a little bit. He really struggled at UNLV when they played there. Played 28 minutes, grabbed 10 rebounds, but was in foul trouble and didn't score any points. Scored 10 in an overtime win against San Jose. Scored 10 in a loss against Colorado State. Um, only 15, about 15 points against New Mexico. And back on the January 28th, he did score 21 points against Air Force. So uh, a little bit unpredictable there, but he does have that potential to score points and lead the team for Fresno State. And uh, as I mentioned, the other guy to really watch out for is uh, New Williams, uh, the the guard, 6'1 guard for Fresno State. Uh, he has he had some ups and downs himself. He, sc- he put up 25 against Air Force in their uh, win against the, the Air Force Academy. But then he's had some games here and there where he was in double figures and then he wasn't. So this is going to be an interesting team because you don't really know what you're going to get tomorrow night. Uh, Craig Smith had a chance to meet with the media earlier today to talk about Fresno State, the preparations for the Bulldogs, lessons learned from last time, and how different Utah State is this time when they face the Bulldogs tomorrow night at 8 o'clock in Fresno. Well, we got a great contest coming up with um, Fresno State. Uh, it's kind of like our rival, our, our uh, series with Boise. It seems like every time we play Fresno State, it comes down to the wire. And, and um, five of the last six meetings have been decided by three points or less or decided in overtime, including um, the second league game of the year way back on, uh, in early December. So they're a, they're a young team, but they're a very dynamic team. Um, they can score inside with Orlando Robinson and um, and Nate Grimes, and then of course their guards can really get going and score in bunches. We saw what we saw firsthand what New Williams can do at our place uh, when he gets hot and he can get it going. Um, Nevin Hart is a guy that I believe only played four minutes against us the first time around, but. Three games ago against Colorado State at home, he had 29, 28 or 29, including I think 24 in the second half. And then um, their last game on a Wednesday night, he has 30. So he's obviously injected um, some life into them uh, from that respect. And then this time of year, you always expect seniors to play well, and Noah Blackwell is playing very, very well as well. And so um, they they are a team that can really get it going in runs and in spurts, and they can put a 9-0 run on you on the snap of a finger. They really thrive 
um, in transition, and then they're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the league. Uh, I believe they're number two in our conference in offensive rebounding, and um, they had 19 offensive rebounds um, the other night against San Jose on Wednesday. So, excuse me, 21 offensive rebounds that night. So, um, owning the glass and winning the glass is going to be a huge key. We've got to be able to stop them in transition defense. And then I thought one of the biggest takeaways against Colorado State is is uh, we only had eight turnovers that game, and, and they do a good job of forcing turnovers, as does Fresno State. So um, those will be big keys to the, to the game. It's so long ago, though. I mean, usually in conference, you might go five weeks to play somebody, but this is, <laughs> this, I mean, are they, are they still the same? Would you put the same scouting report together of what you played two uh, No, no, they're, they're different, and you expect that. Like, we're, we're, it was just crazy watching the, our game against them the other day, how different we are um, um, personnel-wise, first of all, because that was Kato Nimi's first game back, and of course he was limited to 10 minutes, mm -hmm. and he basically t played two five-minute stretches. But you just look at him, and he's a whole other player. Um, but we're just a different team. Uh, but they're a different team, too. You know, they, they are, they've got a lot of, I mean, they have three veteran guys, you know, in, in Grimes and, and, and Blackwell and, and Noah Williams. Uh, and those guys play a ton of minutes for them and do so many different things. And then they have a lot of freshmen that they've really thrown in the lineup. And like you would expect, a lot of those guys have played a ton of minutes. So those guys aren't really freshmen anymore. Um, whereas the first time around, you kind of felt at times they were more freshmen. Where now they they're kind of settled in. They understand the game, um, and and are playing a lot more solid that way. So they've won three of the last five. But it was different watching that, and then even showing the film to our guys, it was kind of like, wow, this has been a long time ago. This, this stretch, I mean, every game gotta take every game one at a time, and every game is important. But now you you face a stretch now where teams are below you, not above you, and you can really etch yourself into that number two spot. We've done a great job of getting back in the game, so to speak, you know, winning, I think, six of our last seven, and and um, with the one loss at San Diego State, and uh, it was a big week last week, obviously, but what you did yesterday is a big deal. You haven't done much today, and so it's just on to the next, and, and, and we're playing to be our best, the best team that we can possibly be at the end of the year, and and I like the, the climb, so to speak, and you can see improvements from, from week to week, and even game to game, I feel like we're, we're making some, some uh, improvements. So um, this will be another good test on the road. You know, in league play, we're three and four on the road, and, and that's not where we want to be, under 500. And so we have a great opportunity um, down the stretch here to, to be a team that can finish the regular season above 500 on the road. And when you look at the league besides San Diego State, I don't know how many teams are going to be able to say that, and and quite possibly the team that is able to say that will probably finish the highest in the regular season. What kind of player is this Nevin Hart then to get his points? I mean, he's made some threes, yeah. but he also looks like he drives or must, oh, yeah. uh, must he, be that. He's an explosive player. Like He's very explosive, very, very athletic. Um, he's listed at 6'5", 205, so that is not a small human being, um, and for a freshman especially. And so he definitely can shoot it, um, but he can drive it to either hand. He's a very good finisher, and then as you would expect, he's really good in the open floor, you know, in transition. So he just has a great burst, burst to him, and if you're out of position, you know, he just makes you pay. So... Um, whether it's coming off, whether it's transition, whether it's coming off a ball screen, or just in an ISO situation, and then even a little bit on the offensive glass, 
Um, you got to be sound defensively and square up the ball and just do your best to get them under control. And that's been a tall task um, two of the last three games for their opponents. Your game against them, as I recall, you were down eight. And I think that's about when Nimi came in in the second half and he made his free throws and kind of defended the rim and you kind of got going again yep. a little bit in that game. And, and you made free throws and didn't turn it over against them. I think you only had 10. I yeah, think, it, in that game. that's exactly how it was. It was an ugly game both ways. Like, they couldn't make a shot. We couldn't make a shot. Uh, I think we started out the game 1 for 16 from the 3. Um, you're right, though. We were down 8, and Nimi went in there, and he got fouled a couple times. I think he went um, 4 for 4, then missed the front end, and I think he made two more after that. Uh, and then he was able to, you know, to alter some things around the, around the rim. So... Um, obviously, we're a way different team, but pl that's not an easy place to play in Fresno. And and obviously, with a young team, younger teams are always going to play. Tip, I mean, typically going to always play a lot better at home. So, um, but that was a big stretch of the game. But it was one of those certainly kind of ugly games where we couldn't make shots, and we had open shots, and they couldn't make shots, and they had some quite a few open shots as well. And um, so I, I expect things to be maybe a little bit more fluid for both teams this time around. So there's Craig Smith and his reactions to uh, the last time Utah State played Fresno State and getting ready for them tomorrow. Again, they tip off at 8 o'clock tomorrow night, our time. The game will be shown on ESPNU. But our sister station, KVNU, 610 AM and 102.1 FM, will be doing a full one-hour pregame and uh, break it down, their thoughts. Uh, Jalen Moore always has great insight. And he and Al Lewis uh, do great preparation for these games. And uh, that will start at 7 o'clock. And then as soon as it's done, they'll be back on the air to take your calls, take your reactions to what happened in Fresno. And this is a team, Fresno State, since they lost to Utah State in overtime, they don't, they don't really have many quality wins, if you want to say that, under their belt. Uh, probably the, the best win that they've had since then was a win at home against New Mexico, which was just a few weeks ago. They beat them 82-77. to But there are other victories in the Mountain West. They beat San Jose twice. Uh, they, uh, they beat Air Force uh, at Air Force, something Utah State was not able to do. Uh, they beat Wyoming, um, and that's uh, about it. <laughs> Fresno State is 5-9 uh, and nine right now in their conference. Uh, in in their nine and sixteen overall, so this certainly is is a game Utah State cannot lose if they want any chances of making an at large opportunity uh, for the NCAA tournament. This will go down as another bad loss if they do lose this one. Uh, this is it, but this is kind of an unpredictable team in uh, in Fresno State. They played UNLV tough in UNLV. They lost by a point. Uh, they played Colorado State pretty tough. They ended up losing by ten. Uh, they just beat San Jose earlier this week, 84 to 78. So uh, they are a bit unpredictable, and Utah State has to be careful of that. But I, I like USU's chances still, all the same, be mostly because I, I think this Utah State team is a different team now than where they were. Not even, yes, obviously, than when they were on December 7th, because Keta is definitely more of a fabric of who they are right now, but also because of what they went through in the early part of January when they had that losing streak, I think they've collectively come together. I think they're playing better defense. I think that they're more dialed in and have a better sense of urgency than what they need to do. And I think they're getting a little more support from the bench than they had before during that stretch. So I like Utah State's chances.
uh, in this matchup tomorrow. And uh, the, the the only thing is, Utah State has not always played great on the road. Um, and uh, will it be another overtime game? Will it be another close finish? Boy, sure hope not. Uh, but you never know. Uh, this is uh, a, a team that has struggled a little bit on the road. Um, but um, you know, looking at some of the, the, the predictors that are out there, uh, Utah State is favored. They should be favored uh, to win this one. Utah State scores at a much better rate. They defend at a much better rate. Uh, they share the ball at a much better rate. They rebound at a much better rate. So there's a lot of things going for USU in this matchup that are in their favor uh, going up against this Fresno State team. But they do have a couple of seniors that can play well. They've got some young freshmen that are coming up. Um, but uh, there have been some great battles down to the wire between these two teams over the years. Um, so we'll see what happens on this one. Again, you can see it on ESPNU. Uh, KVNU will have their full pregame coverage starting at 7. But um, I predict that Keto is going to have a big game. Uh, he's. Uh, I don't really see that Fresno State has anybody to really match him. Uh, Nate Grimes is a good player in the post, but I don't know that he's going to necessarily match one-on-one with Keta. I think that's more of an assignment for Justin Bean. Um, I, I think how Merrill and uh, Williams face each other, I, I definitely would go with Merrill on that matchup all day, every day. Uh, so it's uh, how does everybody else play? How does everybody else fit in? Uh, for Utah State, do they get Duqueta and Merrill? Do they get help from a third or a fourth option? Is that Brock Miller who starts to score and uh, make uh, points uh, from beyond the arc, or is that Bean who gets into double figures? Is it Brito off the bench who gets into double figures? Uh, is it Abel Porter who has a solid game for USU? So I think that's for me. That's what I'm going to be watching for. Who's that third or that even that fourth option offensively for Utah State in this matchup? As uh, they continue to try to secure their spot in the uh, the overall standings in the Mountain West, and it's a big weekend for the Mountain West uh, when you look at what this current standings are and uh, what's on the line. Uh, this is um, uh, the games that are going on on Saturday. You got San Jose at Air Force. It's an afternoon game at noon. Uh, Colorado State's at Wyoming. That's at two. Uh, UNLV and New Mexico are scoring up. So that's that's the big game to watch for is to see what happens between the Rebels and the Lobos. That's going to be at 4 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. So if you have some time on a Saturday afternoon to check in on that game, New Mexico is a future opponent uh, for the Aggies. So uh, that may be one worth uh, paying attention to. But right now in the standings, uh, Utah State, Boise State, Nevada, all tied. Colorado State, just a half game behind. UNLV is a game and a half behind Utah State. So it's a big log jam there in the middle of the Mountain West Conference. Uh, Utah State's got to get the win uh, to uh, help create some separation uh, as this thing gets close to the end. So anyway, that's what's going on with Utah State basketball. Uh, Coming up next, we'll get into what's going on with Region 11 basketball. A big night tonight for high school basketball. Also, it was a big night last night as the girls in Region 11 concluded their regular season. Update you on what happened there last night, and their final region standings are known, so we know who the region champion is. We'll update you on that. Uh, there's changes to the NBA All-Star Weekend. What are those changes? Are they good ideas? Are they just gimmicks? And then we'll also look at the fallout as it continues from the uh, Houston Astros' non-apology apology and uh, players around the league 
not happy with how they're they're dealing with it and uh, how will that affect the regular season for the Houston Astros. We'll talk about that coming up next right here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Just having a little debate here in the studio. UNLV and New Mexico play each other on Saturday. You can watch that game at 4 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. As an Aggie fan, who should you you be cheering for in this matchup? Who should we hope wins that game? UNLV is higher in the Mountain West standings than New Mexico. They're 7-6. New Mexico is 6-7. But New Mexico has a better net ranking. New Mexico is ranked 127 right now. UNLV is ranked 137. I think the problem is New Mexico is a team that's just under <laughs> going under utter collapse. They have lost six of their last eight games. Uh, they're a team that we've talked about before, have had to dismiss players. Players were trouble with in trouble because of domestic abuse. Uh, and uh, in trouble with the law. There was a house party where shots were fired. A lot of players were there. After coming home from a road trip, instead of going home, they went to a house party off campus where people were, you had to pay to get into. So there's all kinds of bad implications there. So New Mexico is having some real issues right now. But New Mexico does have the better net rankings. And Utah State will face them at the end of the year. But the odds of New Mexico continuing to win their games before they face Utah State are pretty slim. They play New, uh, uh, UNLV on Saturday. Then they play Nevada. Then they p- travel to Boise. Then they travel to Air Force before hosting Utah State. They might beat Air Force before they face the Aggies. Uh don't know. So maybe maybe you cheer for UNLV. I don't know. Uh, it's probably sixes either way. I mean, Utah State split the regular season with uh, UNLV. They won one. They lost one. They haven't faced New Mexico yet. New Mexico does have the better overall resume, but they're really in a tail dive or tail spin. Excuse me. Uh, Region 11 basketball. Girls basketball concluded their regular season last night and there was some excitement last night. Green Canyon beat Bear River 60 to 50. Ridgeline beat Logan 51 to 37. But how about Skyview and Mountain Crest? To the wire last night. And Skyview beats Mountain Crest 44 to 43. The Mustangs looking for their first region win and they still were not able to get it. I I don't know that I've ever seen this where we have the same school be winless in both boys and girls basketball. Maybe it's happened before. I don't remember it happening before. This just, I feel bad for the Mustangs and their faithful fans to have both the boys and the girls team not have a single Region 11 win. Ugh. (laughs) The girls came so close. Last night. So the standings are set for the girls. 
uh, for Region 11. They know what the standings are. What they don't know is the RPI. There are some schools in other uh, regions that play tonight, so the UHSAA won't reveal the final RPA rankings for the girls and what that means for the playoffs until tomorrow. And as soon as we see that, we'll get it up onto CashValleyDaily.com. But as it stands right now, the region is set. We know who the region champ is in Region 11 girls basketball. That is Ridgeline. They took care of business this week. They did not stumble. And they were able to win both of their games after losing a surprising game last week to, uh, um, who was that that beat them? It was Skyview, wasn't it? Yep. Uh, so, but uh, Ridgeline comes out, plays really well this week. They w- they win the region nine and one. Great year for Ridgeline girls basketball. Green Canyon and Skyview tie seven and three. The question is that those teams are tied in the region play in this region standings, but could be very different positions in the RPI. Logan finishes region play at four and six. Bear River at three and seven. Mountain Crest zero for ten. And uh, tonight, there's. Uh, again, there are some pretty serious implications on the line here because right now it's a two-way tie at the top and it's a two-way tie for the next available position after that. Skyview and Ridgeline both are 8-1. and one. Bear River and Green Canyon are both 4-5. and five. Logan is 3-6, and six, Mountain Crest 0-9. But here's the schedule for tonight, and this probably is... Well, there's one game really that could change some things and be really uh, have some bigger implications. Uh, Green Canyon is hosting Bear River tonight. That is important because that may determine who's in the top 10 and who's not because both those teams are right there. One of them was just on the inside, one was just on the outside in the very last RPR rankings that were released by the state uh, last week. So that, that is an important game. That's a very interesting one. Uh, Skyview's at Mount, or excuse me, Skyview hosts Mountain Crest tonight. I, I think Skyview should feel pretty secure that they will finish with a nine and one record. Sorry, Mustangs, but it's just the type of season you've had. Yep, can't do uh, much about that, right? But the game that could be really interesting, Logan could play a spoiler here. They host Ridgeline tonight. Uh, Logan has only been three and six in region play. They did lose earlier this week. Uh, to Bear River, 62-53, to but Logan would relish playing a spoiler here. Um, This is the last night of the regular season for uh, Region 11, and uh, Adam, the intern, this this Skyview team has been pretty phenomenal. They did have that that game where they kind of messed up a little bit. Ridgeline got really hot from beyond the arc, but outside of that, Skyview's been really dominant. Yeah, exactly. And a quick shout out to Cameron Doyle. I don't know if he's listening, but anyways, we talk a lot about the NBA. He's a stud. Anyways, if you go to the game, cheer for him. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, But yeah, I think that just kind of shows how Skyview, I guess seniority, especially in the high school game, experience really does play a big factor, um, I guess, in games. And Ridgeline just got hot, and there's nothing you can do about that. And so you really just got to buckle down. You got the... You got playoffs coming. You got tonight's game. We can't overlook it too much, as much as you want to. I mean, Mount Crest, you know, Skyview, there's still that little bit of a rivalry. It's a historic rivalry, yeah, right? It's, yeah, supposedly it's still there. It's been some battles over the years, but yeah, maybe as a Skyview not more student, recently. it's probably more towards Green Canyon than it is Mountain Crest, but you know, it's still there. Um, so you don't want to overlook them. But then again, you really got the playoffs coming up, and I think that's where Skyview's really going to flourish. 
And this Ridgeline team, uh, don't want to take anything away from them. That was not a fluke in how they beat Skyview. They just straight up played them tough and hit their shots. And uh, they've played well all year, and they've earned the right to be tied for first going into the last game to win the region. Um, and and th- that's a team that's, while you talked about the leader, the senior leadership and the veteran or the veteran leadership for Skyview, it's kind of a little bit different for Ridgeline where they, these younger players have really flourished. And so uh, it, it's interesting the dynamic and how different they are um, and how that might parlay into what happens next week and the week after in the 4A boys uh, state playoffs. Yep. I think that you're right. Totally. It's kind of like how Skyview was last year. Sorry if I if I bring up a lot of Skyview, it's because I go there. So I know a lot. <laughs> so sorry if I You're a little biased. more connected. Now. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like how Skyview was last year where we just had a lot of young players and kind of like what I was saying before, we just got hot at the right time. And, you know, sometimes that's that's all you can really ask for. And so I think that's what Ridgeline's got going for him and more power to him. Let's see, let's see him in the state playoffs. I want to see him go hot and I want to see him play Skyview again. I mean, you know, high school student bias right there. But, <laughs> you know, what, what can you say about that? Well, uh, and you bring up an interesting point because with this new new setup with the playoffs, I think we need to remind people that that there is a there very there is a very real chance you could face another region opponent again in the playoffs. Yeah, and, I, th- and I think that just early. adds more excitement to it. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I I've heard a couple people, especially at Skyview. I don't think they're people who don't know what they're talking about. But anyways, they're people who complain about this new one. They're just like, oh, Region 11, you know, like me having a region championship doesn't mean as much now. And it's kind of like, yeah, it still means something. It's still bragging rights. I mean, you still beat your fellow students who are in your same group, your geological You still area. get to hang a banner and you're in, in the gym. Right, exactly. But then you still get the ability, I guess not the ability, the, the chance that you could play another team from your region in a playoff system. Like, how cool is that? Right. I don't have a problem with I, I it. I think that's a huge advantage. You already know who they are. You already have a lot of film on them. You know their tendencies. Rather than facing some school from Utah County, who you have no idea. Exactly. You have to spend extra time watching film and scouting them. Yep, exactly. And I feel like the fans get into it a heck of a lot more. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's uh, I, I love this new system. Yeah, I, I, I don't have any problems with it. I think it's really interesting that uh, everybody gets to participate is a little more of a uh, seems like a millennial thing to do. Let's give everybody a ribbon for participating. Yeah. But at the same time, the the, the good teams, they still get a chance to play. And right. They're still going to participate. They're still going to, we're still going to recognize greatness for what they do when they win. You get more teams involved. Yes. There's going to be more travel. There's going to be some lopsided victories on Tuesday night. Uh, and then again on Saturday, but or excuse me, Friday for the boys. But you know what? It gives it gives these, especially the seniors, wherever they are, one more chance to play. Right, exactly. And I think that's all you can really ask for is one last time to put on that jersey and represent your high school. So, you know, you're kind of right about the whole millennial thing. It is a little cheesy, but, you know, sometimes maybe a team gets lucky and wins a game or two. Uh, so, you know. That's true. Given that chance, you know, make That's an true. excitement. Ridgeline did that in football this last year. Right. Uh, played at home, then they went on the road, and uh, they beat a team down in southern Utah they weren't supposed to win. So yeah, it can happen. Yep. It Go happen. underdogs. So here's the lineup for our broadcast schedule tonight. So we'll have the Skyview Mountain Crest game here on the fan, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. And then uh, it'll also be on 107.7 FM. 
So we'll have Hurricane John Newbold on the call tonight. And uh, also on uh, the other games going on, Green Canyon versus Bear River, two places to hear that. There'll be two different sets of play-by-play people on that. Green Canyon versus Bear River. So Green Canyon play-by-play, Craig Hislop, he'll be on the call there. And then Bear River, well, that'll be on 100.9 FM. And then Bear River will have uh, Tommy Sorensen and Logan Jones on 104.9, and that'll be heard in Box Elder County. Uh, and then the, the other game to mention tonight is Logan Ridgeline, and that'll be heard on KVNU, 610 AM, 102.1 FM, Al Lewis on the call there, and it'll also be heard on 104.5 FM and a uh, game being played in uh, at, the, at Logan High. And all those games, pregame coverage starting at about 645, and tip-off will be at 7. So very busy night in high school basketball. And then as soon as it's all done, we'll have the scores, we'll have photo galleries, and tomorrow we'll have the standings and the playoff seating, all of it on cashvalleydaily.com. Uh, before we take a break and find out uh, some other things going on throughout the NCAA in men's basketball, just need to pass this along. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, speaking of Cash Valley Daily, news that uh, former Utah State football coach Chuck Shelton passed away on Thursday. He is uh, 84 years old. Uh, he was a head coach from 1986 to 1991 at Utah State. Six seasons with the Aggies. Um, and uh, he played well. His team's always played well in the, in the Big West. He was the Big West's co-coach of the year in 1991. Just one of six coaches in school history to have a 60% uh, winning percentage in league play. And during his last two years, led them to a combined 10-3 and conference record. Um, and uh, he was responsible for a lot of great Aggies that got recognition under his tenure that went on to do other great things. Um, but uh, he was at Drake and Pacific when they canceled their football programs but came to Utah State and uh, had some real success, especially in Big West Conference. So uh, Chuck Shelton, former head coach for Utah State football, passed away yesterday at the age of 84. I'm Kevin Kugler with This Week in the NCAA on Westwood One. Along with the Kansas City Chiefs kingdom of fans celebrating their team's Super Bowl victory this past week, Texas Tech fans and alumni had reason to be proud as well. Mahomes, arms extended, right foot ahead of his left, shotgun snap, drops back five, got the block. They come on the side, he winds up, he throws a long pass, wide open hill, catches the ball at the 22 of San Francisco, swirled around on the sideline, down he goes! What a play by Mahomes! 44-yard completion to the 21 of San Francisco. That was a miracle throw. Ward makes the stop on Tyreek Hill. That's Kevin Harlan with the call on Westwood One. As Super Bowl 54 MVP Patrick Mahomes led the Chiefs on another trademark come-from-behind win to claim the Lombardi Trophy. The one-time Texas Tech Red Raider, Mahomes became the first quarterback Super Bowl MVP from any Texas university. With football now a fading memory, sports fans across the country turn their attention to the plethora of collegiate sports options now underway. More on those coming up on This Week in the NCAA. If you're a college baseball or softball fan, now's the time to get in on the ground floor of the new season as play is underway in softball and coming soon to a diamond near you for baseball. They join 17 other winter and spring sports that are headed to championship events over the next few months. Of course, front and center among all sports this time of year is basketball, and this season has already had its share of upsets, surprises, and great games. The lone remaining undefeated team in Division I is the San Diego State Aztecs, who entered this weekend a perfect 
at 22-0, number one in the net rankings, and number four in the AP Top 25. So now that you have your weekends free from football, get out and attend a local university game, meet or match near you. You're sure to have a good time, and your support will be much appreciated. That's this week in the NCAA. I'm Kevin Kugler on Westwood One. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. You know, I think what people don't realize is Altuve stole an MVP from Judge in 17. Um, everyone knows they stole the ring from us. That's Cody Bellinger. He was not mixing words, very opinionated about the Houston Astros and the Stein stealing scandal. Uh, we, you, earlier, we heard him say that uh, he thought the apology was weak. He thought the uh, punishments did not go nearly far enough and uh, highly criticized how Major League Baseball has handled this. Um, And uh, he wasn't done there. He had more to say, saying it's really hard to respect that organization right now. I don't know. I I know personally I lost respect for those guys. Um, I think I would say everyone in the show – in the big leagues, lost respect for those guys. Um, but then again, there's also a time where people do make mistakes. Um, and, you know, you, you feel success, you're getting success, you're getting money, you're getting MVPs. You know, it's hard to turn that down. So um, you do make mistakes. I think that there is a way to get over it um, because everyone does make mistakes. Um, but, I, you know, they just got to go out, be themselves. And they're a damn good team without the, the trash cans. You know, they got... They would have had all-stars without the trash cans. Um, those guys are great players. I think everyone respected what they did. But now, man, it's like, you know, what's real, what's not. Um, so it's it's a tough situation to be in for them. Um, I don't know. I don't know many people that respect them right now. Uh, wow. Yeah. I, you know what? I can't disagree with anything that he just said there. They're, and it's really it's, it's sad and it's unfortunate. Those were some great players. But how much of that greatness was attributed to bending the rules, breaking the rules? And how much of it was just straight up, they were a good player? Uh, catcher, uh, now his name's escaping me, his first name, Suzuki, his last name is Suzuki, uh, saying that uh, the, the, the Astros were engaging in science stealing as recently as just this last year. The report focused on 2017, but... This, Saying that, look, these guys were still doing it. They're still engaging in some form or another of stealing signs and communicating that to to their batters. Now, Cody Bellinger, very outspoken, but he wasn't the only one. Sean Manea uh, with the Athletics also uh, weighed in and shared some of his opinion that uh, it just doesn't smell right how they've not just what happened, but how they've handled it since then. They cheated. They've cheated the game. They've, you know, they've uh, cheated us as players, um, and it's it's, it's that they uh, they can't take responsibility for their actions and and uh, you know try to make things better. Instead, they're just sweeping things under the rug and and uh, you know just doing their own thing. And uh, to me, that just doesn't doesn't sit right. Hoo hoo hoo! Wow, 
Uh, you know it's going to be hard for the Astros whenever they leave the friendly confines of Houston. They're going to be booed. Every time anybody approaches the plate, especially those guys that were on those teams from before, anybody that was associated with that team is going to be booed wherever they end up. Uh, they're going to get thrown at when they're at the plate. You know it was, it's going to happen. Everything they do will be under a microscope, and people will criticize and second-guess everything that happens from now and probably the next couple of years. This isn't something that just quickly goes away. So this was a team that even after the suspensions came out and the dismissals, a lot of the odds makers said, look, this Astros team, the way they're still built, they should win a lot of games and be a contender to win the World Series. I The way they've handled things in this last week, I don't see it. It's going to be so rough on them wherever they go. They're going to win some games, but I don't they're not I don't see them as a play or a World Series contender because of all the bad publicity and negativity that's going to surround this team for the next year. Uh Justin Verlander, pitcher for the Astros, the quote-unquote elder statesman for the team recognizes that it's not going to be fun and there's going to be more criticism coming their way. Yeah, it won't be easy, you know. Um I think uh we're just gonna have to be. Uh, we're just gonna have to band together as a team, um, as a family. I mean, uh, look, we know how good we are. We came six outs away last year from from winning a championship, um, and uh, you know, fell just short. And you know, I, there's been a lot of speculation, but we in here know that it was done the right way, and uh, you know, we know how talented we are. So I think the goal this year is to, um, you know, we're gonna have to, like I said, we're gonna have to be. Uh, we're gonna have to have each other's backs in here. It won't be easy, but. Um, I think that in the end, the, the the play on the field will speak for itself, and I hope that we make the the baseball world proud. We have and, and make uh, Houston proud. What was it done the right way last year? Was it? I don't know. I don't know that we can have confidence that it was. Now, for their sake, I hope they do figure it out and they do a better apology tour over the next couple of months. But it's it's not it's not going to go away easy. There's very bitter Dodgers fans out there, very bitter Yankees fans out there, and the biggest fan bases in Major League Baseball. And the Houston Astros defeated both of them on their way. Uh, Now they're going to be turning on you. Um, They're very bitter. And with good reason. Good reason. All right, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, NBA All-Star Weekend actually is underway now. It's the Celebrity Game, which is the who cares portion of any all-star weekend festivities, but there are some interesting things happening that are different this year in the NBA all-star weekend. We'll update you on that and what to watch for Saturday night and on Sunday coming up next year on the full court press interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in the full court press on sports talk radio, one Oh six, nine FM 1390 AM the fan. Last couple of minutes with you here on the Full Court Press before we hand it back off onto uh, Fox Sports Radio. NBA All-Star Weekend going on right now. All-Star Games going on right now. It's on ESPN. Eh, who cares? Uh, next, later on tonight, it's the Rising Stars Challenge. I like this. It's rookies and sophomores that go head-to-head, but they break them into two different teams, USA versus the world. It used to be the rookies versus 
the second-year players, and the second-year players would destroy them. I like they they mix it up to enhance and uh, reemphasize that it is an international sport. It's a worldwide game. But the Luka Doncic, Trey Young, R.J. Barrett, Shea Gilligas-Alexander. So there should be some really fun players to watch in this one tonight if you've got some time. But tomorrow is when it really gets interesting. You have the skills contest. That starts at 6. That's going to be on TNT. Uh, Honestly, I don't really pay much attention to that one, though. You'd have some big guys participating in it, which could be interesting. The three-point contest is different this year. It has a different tweak. There's eight players involved. You have four racks. Four regular balls plus one money ball. It's worth two points. Every other shot is worth just one. There's the all-money rack where each ball counts for two. And based on where the shooter has his sweet spot, they'll move the rack to, to do that. But here's what's different. There's an additional two balls that are green that'll be six feet behind the line. And those are worth three points apiece. So we could see higher scoring this year in the three-point shootout. Uh, then you have the dunk contest, which uh, concludes the evening. You got some interesting participants: Aaron Gordon um, and uh, Derek Jones Jr., uh, Dwight Howard coming back, even though he's 34 years old. Pat Connaughton, uh, and uh, I-, I think that we might see some Vince uh, Vince Carter in some form or fashion involved. That'd be great if he did. It's 20 years to the day when he had perhaps one of the most memorable slam dunk competitions that we've seen in a long time. And then the All-Star Game itself, that's Sunday, 6 o'clock hour time on TNT. Here's what's different. They reset the score after each quarter. And so the winner is decided using an uh, Elam-style finish. So at the end of three quarters, they set it at 24. The first team to score 24 points wins. So there's no clock. There's a shot clock, but there's no running clock. So the first team to 24 wins. So that is a little bit different this year. You have some teammates that will be going against each other, like Boston Celtics, uh, Kemba Walker versus Jason Tatum, uh, Ben Simmons versus Joel Embiid. But uh, certainly we're going to be paying attention to Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. They're on Team Giannis. That should be really exciting. That should be a lot of fun. Um, but uh, it, it's I'm excited to watch it for the first time in a long time because there's the Jazz Connection. I've checked out of a lot of the NBA All-Star festivities for the last few years. I, I do like the dunk competition. I like the three-point shootout. Everything else pales in comparison. But this year, it's a different format for the All-Star game. We've got the Jazz players there. I'm really interested to see if it works uh, or if it's just a gimmick. Uh, once it finally gets played out, it's hard for me to tell right now. I, I like the three-point shootout change. I like that. And I'm curious to see how the all-star change works out. I think I'm curious. I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. I want to see how it plays out, how they game the system, or how the, the, the score resets, and how they the first one to get to 24, how it all works out. So, again, that's going to be Sunday on TNT at uh, 6 o'clock. And, again, the Utah State Aggies tomorrow, pregame at 7 on KVNU. Have a great night, everybody. <laughs>